Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 200 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 17 today, and our focus is on what must we do when God calls us to go through hard things or do hard things. Well, every day we get into at least one chapter of the Bible and seek to obey it and follow it, and you are invited to join with us daily by subscribing to the show. You can do that by either searching for Bible 2021 podcast on your favorite podcast app, or you can simply go to our webpage, Bible2021.com, and you can subscribe there. You can share the show with friends there. And you can find a transcript, show notes, and a contact page and all that kind of good stuff. So in Luke 17, Jesus tells his disciples a very challenging truth, one that apparently rocks them back on their heels. He tells them that they must forgive. Not only that they must forgive, but they must even forgive somebody who sins against them seven times in a day, which... That actually seems like a lot of times for somebody to sin against you in one day. And Jesus does seem to add a qualifier to this teaching that the disciples and us, by extension, must forgive those who do this and say they repent. And as we discussed recently, I believe that uh, when Jesus says the person says they repent, I believe that includes people who express sorrow for what they've done. In other words, they say, I'm sorry. Uh, what about, I hear you asking, when somebody offers up a meaningless apology or a meaningless and shallow repentance? And I think that is exactly the reason why the disciples were so gobsmacked by this teaching of Jesus, because anybody that says, you know, sins against you, says I repent, and then comes back and repeats that process six more times in the same day is not somebody who's engaging in genuine sorrow or repentance, are they? This is somebody who at best is giving hollow and shallow repentance and sorry for what sorrow for what they've done. And what does Jesus say in that situation? He says we must forgive somebody Who's behaving like that? Wow. I mean, wow. I don't know what to do with this teaching of Jesus beyond obeying it. But I find the way the disciples responded to be quite mature and wonderful of them. I suspect I might have complained or balked or at least asked a few questions about such a difficult teaching. But the disciples in this instance don't do that. Instead, they say something just beautiful and profound. The very thing you and I should say when God calls us to do hard things or go through hard trials. They pray, because they're talking to Jesus, they say, increase our faith. What a wonderful and poignant prayer. It's a prayer I don't pray enough personally. Well, let's go ahead and read the passage, and then we'll discuss it a little bit more. Luke chapter 17, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Jesus said to his disciples, Offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. 
If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Which one of you, having a servant, tending sheep or plowing, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Instead, will he not tell him, prepare something for me to eat, get ready and serve me while I eat and drink, later you can eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he's, he did what was commanded? In the same way, when you've done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he first saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he told the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. They will say to you, see there or see here. Don't follow or run after them, for as the lightning flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. But first it is necessary that he suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building, but on the day Lot left Sodom, fire, and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two will be in one bed, one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken, and the other left. Where, Lord? they asked him. He said to them, Where the corpse is, there also the vultures will be gathered. Well, back to the increase our faith part. Just reading this chapter again, it just convinces me more and more that I need to pray that prayer more. I need increased faith. Well, here's Charles Spurgeon on this wonderful short prayer of the disciples. When the apostles said, increase our faith, they meant increase our confidence in you. And this is a very material help towards the performance of the duty that Jesus called them to. First, God must help us to believe in Jesus that we may not suspect him of setting us uh, an impracticable task. The Lord has said, overcome evil with good, and he's told us to forgive 70 times, seven times. Do you not feel ready to say, that's a hard saying. Who can bear it? Do we not fancy that we shall never get through the world in that gentle fashion? It's our unbelief which tells us that we must sometimes bend our fists or at least sometimes deliver our minds with great vigor of wrath 
or else we will be trodden down like mire in the streets. We need to ask for grace that we may be helped to believe that Christ's way of forgiveness is, after all, the best way, the noblest way, the most truly manly way, and the most surely happy way versus the way of violence and fighting, etc. Their prayer may be read as meaning, Lord, help us to believe that you can enable us to do this. We cannot, by our own unaided nature, be always forgiving of people, always lowly, always gentle and loving in temper. But you have said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Therefore, O Lord, we pray you give us more faith in you that we may believe that you can make us meek and lowly, even as you were. We ought to believe that Jesus can turn our lion-like tempers into lambs and our raven-like spirits into doves. And if we don't have enough faith for that, we must pray for it. For do you not see that if a man believes a duty to be impossible or judges that grace itself cannot enable him to do it, then he will never do it. But when he obtains a confidence that the command is within his power by the grace of God, or that it can be obeyed by a force which is within his reach, then he has won half the battle already. In believing in the possibility of a high standard of holiness, a man is already on his way towards that holiness. I therefore earnestly exhort you to ask for more faith that you may believe the duty of constant forgiveness to be possible of accomplishment through God's divine grace. Wow. I would like to encourage you to just go back and listen to those two Spurgeon paragraphs again, because what he says there about following God's commands is some of the most profound material I have ever read. I'm going to read one part of it again. He says, Do you not see that if a man believes a duty to be impossible or judges that grace itself cannot enable him to do it, then he will never do it. But when he obtains a confidence that the command is within his power, by the grace of God, or that it can be obeyed by a force which is within his reach, then he has won half the battle already. That is why, my friends, we need to ask Jesus for more faith. Sometimes we don't have enough faith to believe that God can enable us to follow the commands of Jesus, but... When we have that faith and that belief, we will indeed follow those commands because as Jesus has told us, faith has the power to toss mountains and trees into the ocean. So there's power there, not power in us, but power by faith in God. Well, let's close with our Bible memory verse for the month of July. It's Luke 6, 47 through 48. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. Amen. Well, good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.